Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkerns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. The top three things that a man looks for in a female partner. Number one is youth and beauty. Surprise, surprise. Number two is loyalty. And number three is kindness. When you found your partner and you're working on it, trying to make things work, Wendy offers you four attributes of winning relationships. And number one is physical attraction. You have to have that chemistry. We're pushing these kids so hard. We want them to speak right, behave like adults. We put them into all this extracurricular stuff. And then free playtime is often perceived as a waste of time. Sleep is compromised so kids can finish their grueling, rigorous schoolwork and all the extracurricular things they have to do. And the meals and snacks have become fast, processed, nutrient-deficient choices so kids can be quickly shuttled to school, piano, soccer, math, enrichment class, and so forth. Hey folks, how about a non-drinker telling you what kind of alcohol you should drink? That's right, it's pseudo-sommelier Brad Kearns here to recommend dry farm wines. Why? Because if you choose to drink, I want you to be healthy and make a superior choice to the mainstream commercial wines. Listen to my podcast with Dry Farm Wines founder Todd White. The insights were astonishing, especially that most all commercial wines are loaded with dozens of chemicals that the FDA allows in your wine but don't have to be listed on the label. And the sugar, oh my goodness, the sugar levels can be as much or more per liter than Coca-Cola but difficult to taste due to the acidity in the wine. Dry Farm Wines is a membership club where you're shipped hand-picked wines from old-world family-run vineyards in France, Italy, Greece, and Sicily. These wines come from non-irrigated vineyards hundreds of years old that deliver a tastier, higher antioxidant grape, and they're independent lab certified to be completely free from chemical additives and naturally 100% sugar-free. That's right, the sugar was allowed to ferment out instead of be arrested by chemical intervention in the name of pleasing the average consumer palate that has a sweet tooth. The Dry Farm Wines Club has taken off like crazy because ancestral and keto enthusiasts, people who care about their health, appreciate a sugar-free wine. You'll enjoy the variety, the taste, and the pleasant sensation in the aftermath of burning through the alcohol buzz and going on with your life without a hangover. So if you care about your carb intake and your overall health, Dry Farm Wines has a special promotion for podcast listeners. Get your first bottle for a penny when you enroll at dryfarmwines.com slash brad or click on the Dry Farm Wines at the bradkerns.com shopping page. Cheers. Hello, my lovely listeners. Thank you so much for your support and interest in the show. 
I am having a wonderful time. It's been over 200 episodes, maybe 210, 215 by now here in late summer 2020. And boy, it's just been really great to connect. Those of you who take the time to email getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com and provide any and all feedback. It's really nice. So I would love to hear from you in any way, shape, or form, Uh, and particularly leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts would be a huge help to the show so that more people find it, spread the word. I have this awesome uh, podcast playing app called Podbean that allows you with the push of a button to create an audio clip uh, lasting from 30 seconds up to a maximum of two minutes. And so you actually make a file on the go while you're listening to a show if you like something and it'll save and then you can text it to a friend and they can play the clip uh, regardless of uh, how they play podcasts. You don't have to have a, the same uh, application that you uh, created it with. Uh, but then when they hear the clip, they'll be inspired to go to their podcast player and subscribe. So it's all about subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And also the email newsletter that we put out at bradkearns.com. I would love for you to subscribe to that. It gives a wrap up of the published shows every single week to keep you up to date. And also we do a fabulous uh, second newsletter occasionally with some lengthy articles that'll help you uh, put make some sense of Uh, the content on the show, get it in another medium in the written word. And that's uh, been really well received too. So hopefully you're on board with subscribing. And when you subscribe at bradkearns.com, you get a whole bunch of super awesome, cool, free PDF downloads, including long cuts to a longer life, including becoming a modern day mofo. Uh, We have some recipe uh, e-handouts and you'll get a whole nice collection, uh, easy to download with a push of a button. All you got to do is subscribe to the email newsletter. Make sure it doesn't go in your spam folder either. Pull that puppy out of promotions if you're using Gmail and you hit a button once and you move it over to the uh, primary inbox and then it says do this for all future newsletters from Brad Kearns and you say yes and then you're locked in. I know uh, life's busy, the inbox is busy, mine is too, but for those people who can make it through the gate, I'm trying to be one of those people and put out a really quality product with my wonderful team of many, many people behind uh, this podcast. So hopefully you can appreciate the hard work that we're doing, trying to do our best and make it a community effort. So uh, we'd love to hear from you according This show is called Insights from Experts Part 1, Relationships and Parenting, Stuff Like That. I have a whole another show set up will be Insights from Experts Part 2, where we're talking about biohacking and health optimization. But this is the touchy-feely stuff that I am committed to including in with the picture of all the things that I've been uh, focusing on in the work realm for many years, talking about diet and exercise and fitness and sleep and all this great stuff. But if the other stuff ain't working good behind the scenes, then what's the point of optimizing your diet uh, when you're being a dick to your wife or girlfriend? That's my mission assignment number 10 on the MoFo mission. Quit being a dick to your wife or girlfriend. Just as important as doing those high-intensity workouts and getting the crap food out of your diet and so forth. So since we're in the world of short attention span, instant gratification, this is a compilation 
combination of brief insights from an assortment of experts. Most of them have been guests on the podcast, so I'm pulling from the great database uh, that we have from the many interviews over the past 220 shows. Uh, some of it's also from reading articles or people that I haven't quite yet landed to get on the podcast. So hopefully you'll be uh, inspired to go back and listen to some of the shows of the people I mentioned. So the content here in this show, interpersonal relationships, especially your romantic relationship, family life, raising children. And the first one comes from the soundbite queen herself. It's Dr. Wendy Walsh. She's been a two-time guest on the show. She was Time Magazine co-person of the year in 2017 for her role in the Me Too movement. She was the first person to call out Bill O'Reilly. And then the avalanche came crashing down after that when everyone realized he had a pattern of harassing behavior to his female co-workers. And Wendy was someone that uh, got pushed aside by Fox. She used to be a regular guest talking about relationships, and all of a sudden, uh, she wasn't on anymore, and it's possibly because she turned down an overture from Bill O'Reilly. So nothing happened, right? And so she didn't get a multi-million dollar settlement and have to sign a non-disclosure, as up to 24 women uh, believed to have done for tens of millions of dollars of payouts to keep things quiet so Bill O'Reilly could continue with his wayward ways. But Wendy Walsh, to use four W's in a row, uh, was free to speak and say what happened happen uh, about the uh, the fateful night when she didn't feel like doing the Bill O'Reilly thing, and then suddenly she was off Fox, and that led the, uh, the wonderful journalists and investigators uh, further down the road to see what was going on. So what a heroine to step up like that and help shape culture and help progress it toward more uh, respectable behavior, uh, especially in the people in positions of power. So right now she has a great show on iHeartRadio called Mating Matters. You can't miss the distinctive purple uh, show logo. And I think these shows are landing in about the 30-minute range. So it's quick. It's really beautifully produced with uh, sound bites and sound effects. So it's really nice. Uh, unlike the traditional long-form podcast, it's a really beautiful production. And I think you'll uh, love going over there and subscribing. Uh, so she's an evolutionary psychologist, and she blends her academic background. She actually still teaches school uh, at Cal State University Channel Islands. I know this because a substitute taught for her on one evening uh, when she couldn't make it. So I rolled into class with the kids, and boy, did we have a lot of fun. Wendy gave me a whole syllabus and lesson plan, and I stuck to it to about 5%. And then the under, other 95% was having all kinds of fun and real-life engagement with these kids. Uh, uh, about all kinds of matters uh, somewhat related to the class. And I'd love to do it again, Wendy, if you give me permission, even though I kind of strayed from the template. <laughs> oh, we walked around the, the courtyard. We did some uh, stretching and outdoor things. People had no idea what was going on that night on campus. Uh, but anyway, so Wendy's uh, deep into the research and freely references a lot of great research studies when she's uh, talking about uh, relationships. So her expertise is kind of the modern day relationship deal. And she has a show on Los Angeles radio. I think it's KFI, uh, where she does uh, dating talk and, and things of that nature. Okay, so, uh, and you can go listen to both of our shows. Uh, 
I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near infrared for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The the benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Uh, but one thing that she... Uh identifies also john gray's been talking about this a lot too is how our gender roles have evolved so quickly from even a generation ago where we had these traditional masculine and feminine roles uh, many of us of a certain age can reference even our parents who were so different than uh, today's world where usually it was the male out in the workplace uh, nine to five put on the suit and tie come back loosen up the tie sit in the easy chair uh, have a beer watch tv uh, the, the the woman is working hard uh, to prepare meals and be a homemaker for the most part and everything was simple and easy, just like on the uh, TV show sitcoms. And now uh, the females are out in the workplace in force. They're expected to be ass kickers in the uh, masculine and testosterone uh, dominant influences of the workplace. And they're expected to be that nurturer caretaker that is uh, the, the baseline of their uh, primary biological drives. And then meanwhile, the man, instead of just sitting back and uh, being gruff and not really being uh, an emotional, sensitive, vulnerable being, is expected to be all 
that and to meet all the needs of the female, and it gets tricky. So uh, the two John Gray shows uh, talk about that in detail, how we can navigate these things, uh, as well as uh, Wendy Walsh offers some great insights. And one thing that I pulled out of our first show, which was really interesting, uh, was relating to uh, the dating scene and the the mating, courtship, matchmaking. Uh, This is from a scientific study. The top three things that a man looks for in a female partner. A female prospect. Number one is youth and beauty. Surprise, surprise. Why are all the uh, advertising world uh, sexualized in the nature that it is? It's because that's playing on the male's primary biological drive. And that is the biological drive to reproduce with someone young and fertile enough to bear your fruit. Hey, uh, don't laugh because this is still embedded in our biology, even though we're trying to evolve out of these uh, ridiculous and dated notions. So uh, even if you're uh, in the <laughs> over 50 years old in a midlife crisis mode and you have no intention of reproducing, your biology kicks in and you're drawn to females who are an average of eight years younger than you are on dating sites. What's up with that? Yes, your intellectual brain can overcome that and uh, make a reasonable decision. Maybe I'll like someone my own age better because we'll remember the same songs and the same movies. Uh, but deep down, that's something that I guess either to honor and respect uh, or make a concerted effort to uh, manage and overcome if you think it's silly, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's number one is we are driven uh, to uh, be attracted to youth and beauty. Number two on the list is loyalty. And number three is kindness. So Wendy goes into detail on the show about why loyalty rises so far up the uh, ranking list, but it dates back again to this evolutionary psychology whereby uh, until very, very recent times, we could never be sure if we were the true father of the woman's offspring, right? So she might have got knocked up by somebody else. And so we want that loyalty to make sure that she is indeed bearing our offspring instead of uh, trying to go get fertilized uh, by people. People from the neighboring clan to keep it back in the ancestral uh, example. Okay, so it's youth and beauty, loyalty, whatever that looks like today, it's still driving you. That's the point that Wendy's trying to make. So whether you want to judge this to be uh, ridiculous or uh, you know chauvinist or whatever, this is what's happening uh, from the, uh, the biological side. And now it's time to go think about the three things that women look for in a man. Again, Something to be aware of, something to be amused by, something to manage as as it plays out uh, with rearing its pretty head or its ugly head, either one. So number one for the woman is resources. This is because females have a deep biological drive to be protected by their man to feel secure. And that is all about having resources. If you transpose this insight into uh, today's world, you are looking for the man with the Ferrari and with the bling and whatever else uh, gives you that message, whether it's his boat parked in the marina or what have you, that is a deep biological drive of yours. Even if you're a super duper modern day female with your six figure income and your independent streak, your fiercely independent streak that you don't need no man for nothing, it's still in there and you want to be aware of that and manage it. So number two on the list after resources is intelligence. Why is intelligence so far up there? Interestingly, it's because 
it indicates that a man who loses his resources, who has a bad uh, hunting winter or whatever, is going to be smart enough to go and acquire more resources. So resources and intelligence paired together, honoring that deep biological drive to be protected. Wendy says, interestingly, that sense of humor usually plays out as number one or way up there on the list of things that people put on their dating profiles as their uh, uh, list of important attributes. But sense of humor is really a proxy for intelligence. Uh, because the sense of humor requires having that sharp wit and ability to think on your feet and so forth. And then number three, interestingly, is kindness. So uh, what does that have a nice thing to say about the human race that both the man and the woman are looking for that kindness when they're trying to find a mate? Um, I also like uh, some of other categorizing and lists that Wendy offered up on our show together, and she categorizes the uh, the male prospect into three different categories. And this is sort of a uh, word of caution for females to make good choices and see through uh, what's going on. Sometimes when we're swept away in a whirlwind romance, we want to position uh, these men into one of the three categories so we can choose wisely. Hey, man. How's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California. And there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Number one is the boy toy. She says it's good for booty calls, but this guy's often living in mom's basement playing video games. Number two is the playa, and the playa is not interested or mature enough to make a true commitment. Uh, both number one and number two might be a very attractive male person with the six-pack and the charm and the Ferrari uh, and the good manners and all that great stuff, but deep down, you can see where it's headed, and it ain't headed in a good place. And 
And finally, number three, behind door number three, is attractive partner with monogamous inclinations. And what Wendy says about this category is, guess what, ladies? These guys get scooped up quick. So uh, pair that in mind. If you are paying attention and favoring talent in the other two categories, you may be missing out on that prospect who can categorize as an attractive partner with monogamous inclinations. Now, when you found your partner and you're working on it, trying to make things work, trying to be the best you can be with each other, Wendy offers you four attributes of winning relationships. And number one is physical attraction. You have to have that chemistry. And if that's not there, uh, that's going to uh, set you up, probably not going to make it past um, the, the the early days, right? You have to have that uh, that initial draw that keeps things really strong and you are able to bond over, I believe it's a two-year period referenced by people like Dr. John Gottman, where the first two years is all about chemicals and then the chemicals kind of... Uh, uh, settle down and you have to start looking for common ground and uh, bonding that will form the foundation for a winning long-term relationship, which, by the way, again, from the Gottman Institute, the great research that they put out there, it is possible to preserve that romantic spark, that lovely flame that you can reference from your first two months or two years at the most, uh, that's possible to preserve forevermore. And they've done studies with uh, couples who have been together for 20 years and still show when they're doing a functional MRI scanning, those parts of the brain light up when you are uh, in love. The same parts light up uh, 20 years later when they're talking about their partner or their partner walks into the room. So that's pretty cool. And how do you do it? What's the secret? Uh, I've talked about it in some other shows, uh, but basically it's having this wonderful foundation where you have mutual respect for each other and your friends and you communicate well and all that that great stuff. So, but you have to have that chemistry. And Wendy references studies of scent where they believe that subconsciously uh, the scent that another person gives off and the, the message that comes to you is that you can detect someone that has a disparate immune system to your own, meaning that on a biochemical basis, evolutionary psychology basis, they represent a potential for an attractive partner, a suitable partner. In other words, you're not going to be wildly attracted by uh, your first cousin that you don't know as your first cousin. It's just not going to happen that way because that's not a viable partner, right? So very interesting. Um, that we're, we're, we're getting a lot of um, uh, feedback from the natural scent uh, that a, a potential partner gives off. Uh, what's so bad about perfume and cologne and all those things that they mask this. So you get fooled. You get fooled by his cologne. You thought he was a nice guy, but really he was a boy toy or a player. Okay, so physical attraction and all what that means is number one on the list. Number two is emotional regulation. You're able to calm yourself. You're able to keep a lid on your runaway emotions that can damage other people and bring the energy down in the room and bring the energy down in a relationship. What a wonderful thing to add to the list. Um, Chris Gage, the uh, writer on medium.com, calls it emotional self-sufficiency. And she says that this is the number one relationship attribute. And it's so far out there and so far up there in level of importance that it doesn't even, it's not even worth talking about number two, number three, number four, because of if there is no emotional self-sufficiency, then there's no potential for a, a proper loving relationship. 
John Gray, life-changing insight, the essential assignment to the male is to be the kung fu master at all times and to remain calm, cool, and collected through the hectic and stressful uh, journey that we live in modern life. And so he says, uh, males, you should never speak if you have a negative emotional charge. You have to be that foundation, that emotionally regulated and controlled person at all times. doesn't mean you need to stuff your feelings or not express your anger uh, or you know your your desires or your preferences in a relationship setting, but you don't have to do it with that charge, with that uh, that outburst type of thing. You can say everything, all manner of feedback, with loving kindness. And I personally will put in a, a huge plug for that because I believe it's possible. I believe it's true. Yes, you got to speak your truth. You got to be vulnerable. You got to honor all the insights that I talked about on the Brene Brown show, where you're not a faker and you're not a, a eternally positive person uh, because you're you're mass or you're, you're coping and compensating for uh, deep pain that you're unable to express, but you can express yourself with loving kindness at all times. Why not? Life's short after all. Why bring someone else down with you? Why not just bring yourself down and learn how to emotionally self-soothe and then step into a, re- a relationship uh, with you know the power and the foundation? Okay. Number three on the list is empathy. And that's, I guess, uh, the proper definition is uh, being able to see things from uh, someone else's position, uh, being in, put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? Uh, Brene Brown makes a critical distinction there that, it, you know, being empathetic is uh, going down there and uh, being right there with the person in pain, but not uh, staying there, not getting brought down into the hole, just, uh, you know, joining them, uh, commiserating, whatever, uh, validating it and then, you know, popping right back out with your smile and going on with your daily life. So there's that uh, point where you have to protect yourself uh, as you uh, exercise your empathetic skills. And then finally, uh, number four on Wendy's list is impulse control. And I guess that uh, really goes hand in hand with emotional regulation, but there's also that ability to control your actions and, um, you know, don't do things that you'll uh, feel like you have to apologize for later or that will, you know, nag you as uh, bad decisions and actions that you took at the moment that uh, seem like a good idea at the time, uh, but didn't really turn out to be a good idea. All right. As we get near the end of the show, let's say everything worked out great and we fast forward down the line and now you got kids, everything's wonderful. And we're going to try to figure out how to best raise our kids. We have some wonderful insights from Dr. Ron Sinha, who was a wonderful guest on the show. Uh, He was mostly talking about health and uh, managing the uh, exposure and your risk factors to global pandemic virus. But he also has wonderful insights about parenting on his blog, culturalhealthsolutions.com. And so here's an excerpt from one of his great articles. He says, as highly motivated parents, we often push our children to start acting like adults from an early age. Yeah, we want them to speak, write, learn, and behave like adults. In an effort to do this, we enroll them in all types of extracurricular activities to advance them beyond their age. Yes, he's reading at fourth grade level now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And Sinha definitely knows because he's down in Silicon Valley taking care of large employee 
populations uh, that work for some of the world's leading tech companies, uh, Facebook, Google, Oracle. And so he's dealing with uh, one of the most affluent work populations in the world, really. The average income in the high-tech hub of California Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area, is 2.5 times the national average. The median home price for a simple uh, average, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath tracked home is 1.3 million or 1.2 million in the associated counties in that area. Absolutely crazy. And despite their uh, relative level of affluence, there's a widespread uh, penchant for people suffering from FOMO, fear of missing out and keeping up with the Joneses. So all that affluence just breeds uh, scarcity and insecurity and consumerism to the extent that Sinha has identified this as actual uh, disease states that have metabolic consequences. So his patients are coming in, even though they make a good income and have far more than most people dream of, uh, they're still suffering from uh, having not enough and feeling uh, a scarce uh, insight and perspective about life. And so when it comes to parenting, uh, typically going hand in hand with this hard driving, uh, hardworking professional in the high income levels is that pushy helicopter parenting, which has become such the modern trend. And I'm uh, interested in talking about it. I've had a, the, the topic come up on a few different shows. And I think brought to light in our culture, uh, no more profoundly than with the college admissions bribery scandal, just the ridiculousness of that whole thing and what that means with the repercussions and all that's going on uh, to a lesser extent, obviously, but that parent looking over the kid's shoulder as they're writing their uh, essay and uh, intervening too much with their sporting experience or their uh, journey through school and other peak performance endeavors. Uh, so it definitely seems like a trend, but but I appreciate the wonderful point made by my son to me when he said, look, you can't make a generalization about an entire generation. And in many ways, uh, we have it tougher now than you guys did a generation ago. It's tougher to get a job. The, the cost of living, the indexes are uh, skyrocketing such that uh, in the old days, and I can agree with this, uh, you graduate college, you had an easy job offer if you were in the proper uh, majors that you know had a direct uh, economic op application like accounting or engineering, and you could go uh, live in an apartment uh, by the beach if you wanted to or whatever and do okay. And now things are pretty crazy. So there's a lot of um, uh, struggling accordingly when kids want to uh, follow their passions and dreams, but the economic prospects are dim. And all of a sudden they're in a, a budget crunch uh, right after really working hard to get a degree. And they're out there serving uh, beverages at Starbucks when they studied uh, Russian literature or what have you. So we have the overt disturbing examples of helicopter parenting and uh, coddled kids who aren't ready to cope with the real world. But we also have a ton of great kids out there who are pursuing their dreams and working hard and, oh my gosh, doing doing great things. Okay, so yeah, let's keep it real. There you go. And back to Sinha's article. So we're pushing these kids so hard. We want them to speak right, behave like adults. We put them into all this extracurricular stuff. And then... 
Free playtime is often perceived as a waste of time. Sleep is compromised so kids can finish their grueling, rigorous schoolwork and all the extracurricular things they have to do. And the meals and snacks have become fast, processed, nutrient-deficient choices so kids can be quickly shuttled to school, piano, soccer, math, enrichment class, and so forth. In a frenetic effort to get children to behave like adults and perform academically far beyond their years, we're neglecting the fact that our kids are also being metabolically and medically accelerated into adulthood by developing conditions like type 2 diabetes, fatty liver, and high cholesterol. Most pediatricians, like Dr. Sinha's wife, Shally, were never thoroughly trained to treat conditions like type 2 diabetes, abnormal cholesterol, and fatty liver because these diseases were not supposed to appear in children or adolescents. Use this period of time as a parent and you're raising your kid to help the entire family adopt healthy practices and give kids the opportunity to date dream, play, mostly without screens, and just be kids for a change. (sighs) What a wonderful plug. And parents, uh, can you acknowledge that some of this is going on, that the kids are being rushed around like never before? I know from my comparison to being a kid uh, previous to the digital age that there was so much downtime. There was so much more one-on-one social interaction rather than uh, interacting through uh, technological devices. And so, these kind of uh, intangible skills that maybe uh, were seeming to be uh, unrelated or unimportant uh, on your path through life as a contributor to uh, the, the the economy uh, actually turn out to be really important because being able to communicate, to network, to connect on a real level, and also to have that time to process and daydream and allow insights to come to you rather than be constantly busy and constantly stimulated and constantly distracted so that you don't even have time to sit with your own thoughts. These are the ways that I was able to chart the course of my life, and all of us listening can reference that. It wasn't from constantly responding to text messages or swiping through social media that we forged our path and uh, kind of formulated our character, uh, our dreams, and our destiny. So as a parent, if you have that opportunity to slow your kid down today, to establish off hours for the digital devices. I know a couple people that have a big mixing bowl on the kitchen table and the kids have to throw their phone into the bowl at 9 p.m. or whatever and then have some family downtime where maybe they're uh, talking or doing uh, a board game or something together, uh, taking the dog for a walk around the block at nighttime. I hardly ever see families out like this, but I have to say in 2020, I've seen much more wonderful examples of family bonds uh, outdoors in nature uh, because of the quarantine and whatever other uh, Chuck E. Cheese options were closed down for the family. So that's a, a good aspect of it is uh, more family connection time. But of course, the devices are always running the show. So this is a great little passage to uh, relax a bit, uh, realize that uh, your kid does not have to be in accelerated everything. And my insight that I can offer looking back now that my kids are uh, adult age is I think in general, General parents believe they have more influence on their children's destiny than they really do. And I would say that I fall into that category too, where I thought I had to create this ideal experience for the kid so that they would get interested in sports, music, art, being a good student, being a good person, eating healthy, exercising. And so uh, I think we can all take a deep breath, relax, sit back, and let your kid uh, discover the world 
with them in the driver's seat, uh, with you giving unconditional love and support and opening doors for them and uh, availing them to opportunities that they may or may not take advantage of, whatever lights them up themselves. So whatever their calling is, they're going to figure out on their own. And maybe their calling is to blow the decade from their 20s to their 30s, making bad decisions, underperforming, uh, not accessing their wonderful potential that the parent believes so strongly in. And you have much less control over that than you think. And so basically, if you don't screw up, that could be the greatest achievement as a parent, rather than helicoptering in so much and uh, paying for a bribe so that your kid can get in uh, to a school where they don't even belong or deserve to be. Those are the kind of things that can really screw things up. I love the idea of thinking of yourself as a caddy for your child, the golfer. The caddy and the golfer have a unique relationship in sports, unlike the coach of a team sport player. Uh, the golfer, the, the high-paid PGA or LPGA player, uh, actually hires and chooses the caddy, and the caddy can get fired at a moment's notice if the golfer is unhappy with them. So the golfer is the boss, and the caddy carries the bag and supports everything that the golfer is doing, tries to be positive and encouraging, provides information, but doesn't cross that line and try to influence the decisions uh, excessively of the golfer. So the golfer is always in charge. And now that they mic him up, like when you watched um, Tiger Woods play Phil Mickelson in that made-for-TV challenge in Las Vegas where everyone was wearing a microphone, uh, you can kind of get an interesting insight where the caddy is very dutiful. It has all the information the golfer needs. And so Tiger Woods will say, uh, what's the distance? And the caddy will say, it's 166 yards. The pin is seven paces from the back of the green and the wind is uh, left to right. And uh, the, the, the golfer will say, uh, yeah, I'm thinking six iron. And the caddy will say, great choice. You can do it. I like six iron, a nice soft six. Uh, don't overpower it. And that'll be a typical exchange between the caddy and the golfer. And then if the golfer hits a terrible shot, Uh, you're not going to hear the caddy chastise the golfer for being an idiot. Also, you're not going to hear very often caddies trying to second guess the golfer and talk him out of his original choice because the golfer is the one that has to take the swing. The golfer has to own it. It has to be the golfer's intuition and the golfer's commitment. So usually you hear the caddy offering words of support and confirmation. Once in a while, the caddy will make a bold and brave suggestion, especially if they have a good caddy player relationship where the golfer might, the caddy might say, you know, a five iron would be safer right now and you have a three shot lead. So let's take the water out of play. What do you think? And the golfer will go, okay, all right, I'm going to take the five. And that's the kind of, uh, if you can uh, transpose that to discussions with your kids, where many parents have a tendency to be overbearing and talk so forcefully and so frequently because you have all that wisdom and life experience that your kid doesn't, and you get to the extent where you're not even listening to the kid, and pretty soon uh, the the dreams get uh, blended together where uh, you forgot that your kid doesn't really like football and would rather do uh, clay sculpture, but that was your whole life and it worked for you, and so you you know threw that upon your kid from the time they were uh, first able to throw on a, a toy helmet when they were six years old, and so. 
So yeah, I'm just putting in a plug for sitting back, offering that unconditional love and support and guidance. And of course, having the boundaries and the the, the structure. And uh, if the kid needs to bump up against these types of things, usually adolescents do need to bump up against rules and boundaries and limits as a a component of their personal growth. So I'm not saying that you're going to be the the cool dad, like on uh, Modern Family. Remember that first, if you watch the pilot, the guy looks at the camera and he goes, yeah, I'm what's known as the cool dad. (laughs) He goes, I know all the lingo, WTF, that means why the face, and so on. Very funny. Ben Greenfield wrote a wonderful uh, blog article recently about becoming a real man rather than just being a cool dad or the fun guy uh, who was uh, afraid to uh, put in uh, boundaries and guidelines and act like the king of the family. So go and read that because it's really food for thought. And I'm talking about threading the needle here where you're not overbearing, but you're also not a a wussy boy when I'm talking to the male or in terms of the mom, uh, you know, you see this pattern of the super mom intervening and trying to orchestrate every moment of your kids' lives so it's perfect. So everybody take a deep breath. Kids, come to the forefront, be all that you can be, explore the world, and hopefully with the wonderful role modeling, which is also up there on the list of top things you can do as a parent, uh, you'll you know see a good role model in your life and want to be uh, like them when you grow up. How about that? All right. That was our breather show on relationships and parenting. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. Feedback to get over yourself podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at get over yourself podcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves because they need to. Thanks for doing it.